This episode of the Alley on the Run show is brought to you by Aftershocks. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller, and every week I talk with inspiring people who lead interesting lives on the run and beyond. While running is what brings us all together on these episodes, we cover so much more than races and paces. So join me here every Thursday to learn about the decisions people have made to get where they are today and how getting sweaty has factored in. My guest today is Mary Johnson. You may remember Mary as our resident running coach during the Alley and the Experts Week earlier this year. You may know her as the founder of Lift Run Perform, or you may know her as It's a Marathon on Instagram. Of course, you may not know Mary yet, so you're about to. This episode is part running focused, part new mom focused. Mary had her first baby, Eli, four months ago, and she and I have bonded a lot offline about the highs and lows of new motherhood. Everything from, oh my God, I love these cuddles, to how in the world am I supposed to get work done with a baby, to screw it, what was that formula you said I should get? So this episode was really just an excuse for Mary and I to talk about how the past few months have gone as a work from home mom and a running coach. We talk about how motherhood in general is going, and we talk about how her own return to running is going. As always, there is a decent dose of TMI. I hope you're into it. Mary, I'm so excited you're here. This is your second time on the Alley on the Run show. And the first time you were here, you secretly told me after we finished (sighs) recording that you were pregnant. And now it's very much full circle. You are 20 weeks postpartum. You have a beautiful baby, Eli, and we have a lot to talk about. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, totally different circumstances this time. I'm excited. We're going to talk motherhood and running and all that goes into it. So before we do that, we start everything. Of course, you know, you're a coach. You know how we start things. We start with a warm up. (laughs) Warm everyone up if you please would. Tell everyone who you are, where you're from, and what it is that you do. My name is Mary Johnson. I am currently living right outside of New Haven, Connecticut, though I'm from central New York outside of Syracuse. Can't let that go. I am the owner of Lift, Run, Perform, so I am a running coach. I also work at a local performance facility called Ramphone Training Systems, and I have a son, and I have a cat, and I have a husband. In that order. (laughs) I love it. Don't tell Gabe. (laughs) It's fine. They know. I feel like they, they understand. So my first question for moms in all stages is always just, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm good. I mean, I'm he Eli is now at the point where he's like smiling and he's starting to giggle a little more. Um he he smiled super early, but um the giggling now that's coming is really sweet and he very clearly has recognizes faces of me and Gabe. And so that's like, you know, there's really nothing that melts your heart more than having this little human just like light up when they see you. And yeah. So, I'm good. Um I'm feeling all right. I think one of the things that um, like I think I'm a little surprised about is like how I don't feel beat up still, but I'm only just starting to feel not so beat up from delivery. Um, And that's, you know, almost five months out. So like it's taken a while to recover, but I'm starting to feel like myself again from a strength perspective and um, starting to get some semblance of routine down. 
I want to talk a little bit about that idea of expectation versus reality, right? That we think, or at least I thought it was like, okay, well, I know that at six weeks postpartum, I'll have a follow-up and they'll say, yep, you can run. And then it's off to the races, whatever that looks like. And we know that that's not true for everyone. Like, you know, we're not delusional, but until you go through it, it is hard to imagine what that will look like. Right. You have always been incredibly fit, incredibly fast. Running is a big part of your livelihood. So can you talk about your expectations versus your reality, both during pregnancy and during the postpartum time? Yeah. So one of the things that actually came out, or at least I was made aware of while I was pregnant, is this a publication of physical therapy recommendations um, based on further study of postpartum women and their return to running. So it actually revised the recommendation of six weeks. So, you know, you go to the doctor, you have this like, in my opinion, bullshit meeting appointment um, where to be quite honest with you, like everything that I brought up, the doctor was like, oh, just wait some more time. So six weeks is so fresh. And I like, in my opinion, I wish there was more postpartum care, maybe another one at like 12 weeks. Um, so at, while I was pregnant, there was this publication that came out that just discussed that six weeks for running as a comeback date is a little bit too um, premature. And based on the studies of the tissue reconstruction and then in a C-section scenario, like the elasticity of the the scar and the the tissues around the the surgery spot, um, it, perhaps six weeks is too early. And actually, women should wait more like twelve. It was published in May of 2019, and um, if you haven't seen it and you haven't read it, it is kind of dry and it's like a medical publication. But one thing is, it's great because it was the first. It, it, basically, more studies are being done about women's health, which is huge. Um, however, that means that oh my gosh, maybe six weeks is too early. And you know, I think some women can get out the door and do that. Um, I actually consulted, you know, Abby Bells, and I was like, Abby, what about those women that get out the door at six weeks? And she was like, Well, tissues are tissues, and yes, every body is different. But if you've studied a collection of of women and you've studied a group of people guess what? If the findings were resolved as this, then maybe you shouldn't get out the door at six weeks. So, you know, I think there's going to be strong opinions about that. And there has been whenever I've posted about it, I've gotten people like retaliating, but also the other end too. I've had women reach out to me saying, yeah, I I did go out the door at six weeks and it was way too early and I wish I didn't. So there's going to be a huge spectrum. And I don't think like, in a as in most postpartum aftercare, like there isn't one way to do it. And nothing's better than the other. And there's no, nobody's better than anyone else. But I would argue that maybe six weeks is a little too early. And knowing that going into my postpartum journey, I knew that and I was very cognizant of it. And so on a personal level, I was like, I prefer to wait at least 10. I was like, let's make it to 10 and see what happens. We made it to 10. and I still felt like crap. (laughs) And I did run a little bit. So I ran maybe once at 10 weeks. Um, And I was like, nope, we're not doing that anymore. So I waited another week or two. And then at 12 weeks, um, started running up with some kind of routine. um, And it felt a lot better. um, But there was still personally, I have have an SI issue that popped up during pregnancy and it's not really going away. So after a couple weeks of attempting to run um, consistently, and we're talking like two mile runs, like 20 minutes, 15 minutes, and it wasn't going well. And so I was like, you know what, we're going to shut it down and try to rehab and 
and get get over this. So 20 weeks later, um, I do feel a lot stronger, but like it showed me, holy crap, the journey is different for everyone. The amount of strength that's lost after having a baby is incredible. And running is a very hard sport on our bodies. And I like, there's no other time that makes that fit super obvious than being postpartum. So it sounds to me like you had a really good, you had good expectations or no expectations, which I'll be honest, I can't relate to that at all because I'm like <laughs> way high maintenance and not that I had expectations, but it was more like aspirations, I guess. Like I just wanted to get out there more to feel like myself than for yeah. any other reason. Um, you know, my body was going to be squishy for a while and that I actually didn't care about. But for you, you're you're coming out of this and you had Eli and it's peak marathon season, oh, which yeah. I think is tough. I mean, I think to watch from the sidelines is hard. Did that matter to you? I mean, you're also, you're coaching and we'll talk to, about these amazing women you just coached who absolutely smashed their races down in Indy. Talk to me about having a baby right before marathon season. Yeah. Well, of course, in my like delusional mind, I was like, I'll be running in September and October <laughs> and like, I'll feel great. And I, I'm going to probably do a half, maybe Houston will be my like comeback half. <laughs> and yeah, so really, I'm realizing that um, because of the the guidelines that I read that, that like 12 weeks. So in my mind, I was like 12 weeks, that's all I need. And so my expectations up to 12 weeks was zero, zero expectations. I was like, I will do whatever. I won't sleep anything. I will have all hands on deck. I have zero expectations until I hit 12. I actually felt more like I had a shift and like a bump in the road at 12 weeks than at four, because at 12 in my mind, that expectation was like, okay, and now you have your shit together, but I didn't. <laughs> so for me, it was like, oh wait, you're, you're actually still recovering. You actually still have this little tiny human that you have to take care of. There's so much change that you, you know, it's not just back to the races. Like we still have some work to do. So that, that once I had the expectation, that's when I found myself feeling frustrated and unhappy. But I'm like very much into my own goal settings and kind of like, you know, it, there's no point of just sitting on the problem and, and being miserable and not doing anything to, to fix the problem. So <clears throat> after a couple of weeks of just feeling like that, like being disappointed in myself, um, I was like, all right, what do I have to do to fix this? Because it, it's just, I, I'm, I need to change and doing the same things, waking up every mo morning and hoping that my SI joint pain won't goes away. Like that's literally the definition of, of insanity. <laughs> So <laughs> what, what actionable things can I do to change this? Um, so I think once I shifted expectations and I was like, all right, back to the drawing board. And I actually just, um, so I like started dedicating myself to just doing strength work. I spoke to somebody, um, actually I saw her in Colorado. Um, I've worked with her before. She's a phenomenal gait specialist. Um, talked to her about some of my issues. I said to her, I was like, honestly, I just want to get injections and be done with this. And she was like, no, you don't <laughs> fix this you're going to be even more screwed if you decide to have a, another baby. Um, so, so yeah, I really went back to the drawing board and once I did and like cleared those expectations, I felt much more at peace with everything. But yeah, you're right. Like it, I think that's the toughest part is the expectations of like, Oh, you know, it's peak marathon season. I'm, I should be out here with people. So it was tough to watch people in no means. Did I think I'd ever be out there this marathon season, but I did think that I'd be able to like run a little. 
Yeah. But. <laughs> so I want to talk a little more. I'm glad you mentioned Abby Bales because she's been on the show a handful of times and I firmly believe that every human, I don't care if you're a parent, I don't care if you have a chronic illness or not, everyone needs an Abby Bales in their life. Oh she my God, yeah. is such a tremendous human and friend and advocate. She's just been there for me a lot in the past year. And so I was so excited. You came down from Connecticut to see her for an yes. appointment. I can't even say enough great things about her. She, so first of all, we had worked on a virtual level and this is like how it, the internet goes back deep. Like Abby and I, I think knew each other back in 2010 when I lived in New York city. Um, so I've known out Abby or at least known of her for a while back when like Twitter was a thing and not Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so anyway, I was working a little bit with Abby virtually postpartum and, you know, she said, I'm not going to even put my hands on you until you're at least clear by the doctor. So in the meantime, she gave me breathing exercises to do. Um, you know, just, she okayed what type of walking I could do, like how much, if I could push a stroller, stuff like that. Um, so when I finally did get into the city, I brought Eli cause I was like, well, we're doing it. <laughs> and, um, Abby set up a pack and play in her office and we were hoping he would nap, but he didn't. So she proceeded to wear him and sing him lullabies while she was giving me my examination. And like, I don't, if that doesn't speak volumes about her as a person and a character and a professional, I don't know what does. And her whole thing was like, yeah, it's a priority to take care of yourself and to come down here. And so if you need to bring Eli and I need to wear him and sing lullabies to him, I will do that. So it was just the experience of, you know, seeing somebody who cared that much was really, I think it's really unique, especially in this healthcare system that I just think has so many issues. Um, and then as for like seeing a pelvic floor PT, that for me, it's a huge priority. And I think it should be for most women um, just to see, just to assess the damage. And, and like, for me, it was like, I just wanted to be told that like, you're doing things right. Or like, no, you're not here. Let's change it and do this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, that story gets me choked up, like just thinking about that and and knowing how vulnerable it is to be two, three, four months postpartum. It's such an overwhelming and emotional time. And so I just I mean, I give you kudos for getting on a train and coming down here. I think that's so badass. It took me months to leave the house with my child because I was Mm -hmm. so scared. And and I remember seeing you post about that. And I was like, damn, like, Mary is killing the motherhood game. Have you felt that way? Like, is that an accurate assessment? I know that you are. Uh, but talk to me about those, you know, the early months. Were you right away a pretty confident new mom? I'm just winging it. Like, I <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I so I, goodness, one of my good friends had a baby a week before me. And she she actually had a revelation herself early on where she was like, you know what? I brought the baby to Target and I nursed him in the middle of the aisle and it didn't matter. And I realized like, whatever, I've got to do what I've got to do and it's okay. And hearing her have that kind of of breakthrough was really inspiring. And um, I've kind of had the same attitude of like, you know, if he cries, I'm going to do my best to not cry, not, not cry myself. (laughs) (laughs) That too. too. Um, To not freak out. And, um, you know, if I have to breastfeed him on the train, okay, I'm going to do it. And if I have to walk, if I have to stand, oh my gosh, on one of, I think we've now been to New York twice. So I think on this trip coming back from Abbey, I'm the train back to Connecticut was like peak rush hour 
like work people. And he wasn't crying, but he was just like fussy. And, you know, it's like rush hour. Everyone's on their phones. They're on their iPad. Like they're just not talking. And we've got me and a fussy baby. And I was like, oh, Jesus. And I just stood up in the middle of the train and just started rocking him around. And I was like, well, this is what I have to do. (laughs) So it's a little bit of like, you know, I, I've this whole time I've felt like just not, um, uh, what's the word, uh, entitled. Like, I don't feel like, okay, well I have a baby, so I'm allowed to do this. Not at all. But I definitely feel like, okay, well, if he needs something, I've got to take care of it. And if I'm in public when this is happening, then that's just the way it's got to be. So, um, the other thing is I, I am, um, lucky. I, I did not, cause I know Allie, you've had your own postpartum struggles and I fortunately did not experience that to the degree at all, which you did. Um, right away, um, like I did have some issues right in the beginning. Um, and then I ended up getting a DNC, which, um, like within a day stopped every type of hormonal, like it was actually kind of bizarre. Like I went from knowing something was very wrong and knowing that I, I should be on medication to getting the DNC to being not completely fine, but being like, Oh my gosh, I feel a complete hormonal shift. So that I think if, if I hadn't realized that I needed that DNC, I think I probably would have struggled much, much longer and much more severe than, than that at all. But, but yeah, the attitude I've had is just kind of like, well, we've got to get it done and it's all right. (laughs) Well, you're doing amazing. I will tell you that every single day. And I'm glad that you know that. Can you explain the DNC situation a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Can you just walk through, you know, the giving birth and the aftermath of that? Yeah. So basically, when I had him, it was, you know, a very romantic (laughs) delivery. Everything was great. And right afterwards, in the days afterwards, everything was pretty fine, except emotionally, as I think all women are, the hormone drop was like, it rocked my world, like to the point where... I re- like I mentioned, I knew something was chemically wrong and I was like, oh my gosh, like if this is still going on in a week, I'm going to call a doctor and, and get on antidepressants because I felt completely unstable. And then one day, probably about seven, eight days postpartum, I passed a clot and I thought my organs were coming out <laughs> and I was like, holy crap, what's going on? And I called the doctor and they were actually very like, oh, it's probably nothing. Just, you know, come in tomorrow. So I came in tomorrow and then I got an ultrasound and then ultimately one thing led to another and they were like, oh, you still have a piece of a placenta left inside. <clears throat> so they never officially said placenta, placenta accreta, though, because I'm, I have research issues and I like Google. I think that's what it was. <laughs> You're like, well, I diagnosed myself last night, which is what doctors love when you come in with a diagnosis already. <laughs> well, she, the doctor that I ended up seeing was like, oh, she, she mentioned placenta accreta, but then never, like that wasn't written in my, in my chart. So it was never like officially told that I had that, but the doctor told me in person about it. And then basically what happened is the placenta like deeply rooted itself into the uterus. And when everything came out, when the baby came out, when the uterus came out, a piece was left behind and it was basically like rooted in like a tree. So they had to go in, take it out. But the issue that I had is that when they went to take it out, I started hemorrhaging and, um, they couldn't stop the bleeding. And so I ended up having to stay overnight, um, 10 days postpartum. And that was very challenging, especially considering mentally where I was. 
Um, so that sucked. But after this whole thing happened, I noticed within 24 hours a shift in my headspace, a shift in the anxiety I had, a shift in like every type of pa- – I was having panic attacks. Those completely went away. So whatever was left behind was totally messing with my hormones. And as soon it was, as soon as it was out um, – things kind of like started regulating back down. Um, and you know, people have said like, Oh God, that must've been horrible. 10 days postpartum. And it was, but at the same time, it would have been way more horrible to have that come out during delivery and then have to be whisked away to the, the OR, have my baby taken away from me, like not knowing what's going, do you know what I might mean? So like oh, yeah. all things considered the fact that it happened 10 days later, I'm kind of like, all right, you know, it's like the same attitude I've had towards all of this stuff. I'm like, well, that sucked, but at least it didn't happen during the delivery because the delivery was really probably the best day of my life. So I'm very thankful that can still remain in my head. And then I can isolate this situation. And, um, and, and luckily like Gabe had the baby and his family is around. So we had a lot of support. So it wasn't a, like a traumatic event. Um, and I started feeling mentally so much better once that, was over with. So that I'm very, very thankful for. But, you know, at the end of the day, if I had to start going on antidepressants and, and seeing a therapist, like I a hundred percent would have done that. But fortunately, um, I, I felt pretty good once I went through this process. That is so crazy that it was just such an immediate shift. So crazy, Allie. Like, I can't even, I, I thought I was going insane. Like, cause I was like, first of all, I thought I was going insane to begin with. But then <laughs> when it came out, like I, the fact that it went overnight from being so crazy to not was like the first day I kept waiting for the panic attacks to happen and they weren't. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to like try to make them happen. <laughs> um, but, like but, what can really stress me out today? Let's go to Target. Let's do it. <laughs> Well, no, but that, that was the thing that was so bizarre. My anxiety and panic attacks were coming from like nothing to do with the baby, nothing to do with, um, postpartum. It all had to do with like past traumatic events in my life. So it was almost just like a PTSD triggering, triggering. So it had nothing to do with Eli, you know, like it was very weird. And so, you know, in the, like the next day I was like, okay, let me think about that. Does that stress me out? And it like, to not to the same degree that made me very panicked right before. So it was so weird. I I can't even like, I told my doctor and she kind of looked at me like I had eight heads, but I'm telling you, it was just, it was a big shift and like crazy, right? First of all, hormones are insane. And then to think like whatever was inside of me trying to keep itself alive, (laughs) the fact that that was making so much of my head spin, is like crazy. And I mean, it's another really important reminder to be your own advocate when it comes to your health that like, if you think something is off, if you feel that something is even a little bit off, like Mm -hmm. no one else can tell you. You just, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, I'm so glad that you made that call and that you went in because I mean, I'm, yeah, I don't want to imagine what it would have been like if you hadn't, but I'm just really glad you did. I mean, truthfully, the fact that I passed that clot was like the the catalyst, but, you know, insisting on and, and just like, you know, making making it a priority, especially in a time when like it's easy to not make yourself a priority, you know? Exactly. So it could have been easy to be like, 
I have a 10 year old baby. Like, no, I can't go to the doctor tomorrow, but it, you know, but obviously it was important and it was a thing. It wasn't just my imagination. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Aftershocks. We are right in the midst of the holiday season, and I know it's a crazy time no matter what and how you celebrate. And I know that when I'm stressed or anxious or generally feeling overwhelmed, one thing that really helps me is going for a run or a walk or just sitting somewhere quiet and listening to my favorite moody playlist or a really funny podcast. And I couldn't do that without my favorite Aftershocks wireless headphones. I swear by these headphones when I'm running, but I also wear them when I'm on the ferry headed into the city, when I'm in a cab or on the subway, and when I'm strolling with my dog, Ellie. I can count on my Aftershocks to be a seamless addition to my life. There's nothing to untangle, no long sinking process to get them up and running, no worries about needing to hide them from the rain or the snow since they're weather resistant, and no constant need to charge them. The battery life on the Aeropex, which is my favorite Aftershocks model, lasts eight hours. Now, if you are feeling overwhelmed during this time of year, I think you should treat yourself to a pair of Aftershocks wireless headphones. Give yourself the gift of comfortable, cordless headphones. You deserve it, and I don't want you to pay full price. So go to ontherun.aftershocks.com to get $50 off your Aeropex Endurance Bundle. You'll get these amazing headphones plus loads of other goodies. That's ontherun.aftershocks.com for $50 off. Now let's get back to Mary Johnson. Speaking of things going really well, career stuff, let's talk about, uh, we have this in common, the work from home, work for myself, freelance, (laughs) entrepreneur, a little bit of everything. Uh, Let's talk about career stuff and what that has looked like (laughs) since having Eli. Did you take time off? Uh, How are you making it work? So I had programmed out um, my athletes for the month of July. So he was born July 9th. And for the entire month, I had everyone programmed out, which um, it was good timing, all things considered, because um, people were just kind of getting into harder workouts and um, like for marathon training. And um, I had a few people who were doing last minute BQs. And I I did actually keep in touch a little bit with them um, during the immediate days postpartum. Um, but like, yeah, so I had people planned out for July and then in August, the, the idea would be like, all right, now I'm back on. And again, this is me having really zero expectations. (laughs) July 31st rolled around. I was like, shit, I like have to start doing this again. And I just thought that, you know, because I work for myself, because I work at home, like, oh, I can just, you know, for a few weeks, put like without doing it, it will be plenty. (laughs) Um, I like the laugh there. I've done that laugh too. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Well, yeah. So, I mean, on one hand, I was itching to get back into things. um, But on the other hand, it was like, I I had no choice. You know what I mean? And I guess I could have programmed out into August. But um, how I handled that was I did all the programs and then the communication, um, from a coaching standpoint, I had my athletes reach out to Rochelle, who's one of the coach coaches of my group. Um, and I said, you know, Rochelle is your sounding board. Um, please contact her if anything comes up and I'll let you know when I'm like back on and ready. And everyone I coached was just so, you know, gracious and 
supportive and wonderful. So I think I feel very lucky from that regard in terms of like the support that they had. And when I did come back, they were like, please don't rush it. Like, don't feel like you have to come back, even though, you know, July 31st on was or August 1st on wasn't programmed. They're like, just do what you need to do. So from a like, you know, the it takes a village. And even my athletes were just like, you know, you have to do what you have to do. So that said, once that August date came around, I kind of started easing back into things. Um, first, I spent around a week just like programming and not adding in the communication. And then I added in communication back to the people I coach. Um, so that's how that got handled. And then, you know, it's imperfect, but like, it's, you know, when you work for yourself, it's difficult. What is the right thing to do? You, you call the shots and everything. So I felt like, I don't regret the, the like quote unquote only taking four to five weeks off. And here's the thing. I'm now 20 weeks and like my baby's downstairs with a sitter and I'm going to see him later. And, you know, I feel very lucky that I see him as often as I do. Um, and now nowadays I, we have a sitter that comes, um, twice a week and then my mother-in-law comes once a week. So I have help three days a week, um, for about four hours at a time. And what's even more funny is that when I, again, the laugh, when, before I had him, I was like, yeah, we don't need help at all. (laughs) 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 So cute. I was like, yeah, you know, the baby will be sleeping and I'll be doing my work and we can get away with no daycare or sitters. Like, oh my God, Mary. (laughs) So I think week two, I like freaked out to Gabe. I was like, I no, I need help. I like knew very early that I needed help and I couldn't do a job and, you know, just be home with him. And so luckily I interviewed some people, found somebody that was great. You know, we have a very supportive family around. Um, so yeah, during the week, 12 hours are covered. And then um, Gabe comes home from work at four. Um, he goes in a little bit earlier now and once he's home at four, I can start doing my own stuff again, um, from a work perspective. So it's kind of like choppy days, but it works. Yeah. Well, I think that any, you know, what did I call us work from home, freelance entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it can relate to that of just kind of doing what you can when you can and doing late nights. But I think part Mm. of the reason, and I don't know, I'm guessing that you feel this too, but it's not that bad because, I think that we're in situations where we love what we're doing. So like, I know that for me, I still do it. Like I'll stay up until 10 or 11 working after Andy goes to bed. But it's like, yeah, but it's awesome. Like I'm staying up till 10 or 11 having conversations and editing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I think that's part of the the reward as well is that, yeah, there's there's always trade-offs. Everyone has them. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. I haven't worked. I mean, doing what I do now, I put in more hours more time, more, like more of everything. Um, but it's something I like, you know, so I don't, and I'm also, I, I'm a self-proclaimed night owl. So I have an issue like shutting off and going to bed. So I like you will be up to like, I'm bad. I can't talk about my bedtime, but like I'm Mary. I know. (laughs) Um, but I'm up late and, but you're totally right. Like it's because it's like, I'm writing emails and I'm talking to people about getting faster and I'm writing a program. Actually, I, I don't do programs at night because I can't focus, but I do emails, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, you're totally right. And it's rewarding. You know, I know for you, you, you then get to see these athletes run 
250 marathons and it's like <laughs> damn like it it's really rewarding i think the work we get to do it's different but it's it's rewarding in that way so another thing i love that i want to talk about is something you just shared very recently you wrote a post and you know I know for you, it's like you have this great, it, it feels very like pragmatic, your approach to things, that you're a realist, you get shit done. I'm the opposite. I'm very emotion driven. <laughs> so that's why I need you in my life to balance me out a little bit. Text uh, me anytime. I know. I feel like I already do. I'm like, show me your haircut. Show me your beautiful <laughs> eyebrows. <laughs> I'm going to just start reaching out more and be like, how are you today, Allie? Well, no. I'm, I mean, I'm good. Like now we're good. Um, but I still remember yeah. those early days when I wasn't good. But I also wasn't telling people I wasn't good. Right. I right. didn't want to. But you wrote it's, something. I mean, it's so hard. It's so hard. And I wish that you had had Eli first because oh. so much of what you shared resonates with me even now. And you wrote this post about how motherhood isn't about perfection. It's about love and doing what feels right. And now I'm like, oh, hell yeah. But at, <laughs> at three and four months postpartum, I for sure wasn't there yet. So I'm curious what prompted that post and that sentiment. I mean, I, first of all, I don't think I realized I'm going to start crying how much I could love something. And like, he is the best thing. That's <laughs> um, I don't think I realized how much I could love something or someone. Um, and so like, even when I was pregnant, right? Like I never was like, Oh, it, I don't know. I've, I've seen pregnant women be like, Oh, I already love this baby so much. And I was like, Oh, I think I like it. <laughs> Um, but, and, and everyone is different. Like my experience was as soon as I had him, I was like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm obsessed with you. I love you so much. Um, so I just, I think the sentiment of just like, you know, this is imperfect, but love is most important. Um, because, because especially at this age, right. They only know love. They don't know. They, they know love. They know their belly's full. They know, um, play. They know faces. They know happiness. They don't know the horrible things in the world, and that's why babies are so beautiful. Like they've they haven't sinned, they haven't um, you know lied, they haven't they they're not conniving, and so like this pure little thing. Like what do you do with it? You just love it because there's nothing that there's nothing wrong with them at all. Everything is perfect and beautiful, and so that's like. I actually have, you know, not the best relationships with my parents and they're improving, but I, and I, and right. Like, I don't know why it's ever been like that, but I do know the one thing that I sometimes felt missing from my life was love. And if there's one thing I'm giving to this boy is love. And in the meantime, doing all of the other things, like keeping his belly full and figuring out where he sleeps and, you know, if the, if I give him enough tummy time or not, I don't freaking know. Um, I'm doing my best, you know, and if I don't, if I'm, if something goes wrong, then I'm going to learn from it. And I think, you know, things like SIDS like terrifies me. Oh my God. So I educate myself, try to figure out how to not make it so, make an unsafe situation for my baby and do obviously shower him with love, but also safety. <laughs> Let's not forget that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think like, I don't know, someone at the gym actually said to me, she's a mom, um, that I really respect. She's got a, a couple boys who are like just good kids, really good. Um, they come in the gym, great athletes, good supportive parents. And she said to me, she's like, Mary, 
honestly, like they don't need anything but love. And especially as they get older, they're going to know they're, they're smart. They're going to know if you don't love them, if you don't go to their games, if you don't, you know, go to parent teacher conferences, if you don't show up in their life, they're going to know. And like, it's true. So for me, I think like my mission as a mom is just to show up and love him and everything else will figure itself out. But as long as I can wake up and smile at him and just tell him how much I love him, that's probably the most important thing that I can give to him as a mother. Damn, that's beautiful. <laughs> you got me crying. I put on mascara right before we recorded. I'm not sure why, but I'm going to have to fix that a little bit. Uh, that's really, I mean, I know that we, you know, this is not to boil things down and be like, motherhood's not that complicated. It is. Like, it's hard yeah. and it's stressful and we all have a lot going on in various ways how that shows up for us. But I mean, to, to boil it down to that one thing, I think is just so it's, it's just a really beautiful and simple reminder that, um, you know, I know I did overcomplicate it a lot, which is why I say that because, um, yeah. There's so much pressure too. Like this is the other thing, right? Like there's so much, first of all, there's so many options. There's so many ways you could sleep train them. There's so many things you could feed them. There's so many things that like you read and it's so overwhelming. And so like going, I, I also have to say like Gabe is a wonderful, wonderful partner. And that has helped tremendously in raising him so far because, you know, he is the, he's my sounding board. So I think having a supportive partner is very important and helpful. Um, because it just, you use each other and, but like to your point, there's so much noise out there. And like, I'm actually not breastfeeding very often anymore. And I, even I'm going through some like, Oh, I feel, I feel bad. Like he's only five months or just about five months. Like, should I be giving him the boob more? Like what am I doing? Right. No. So, Right. But it's it's hard not to get trapped in all of this mm-hmm. shit that you read. Oh, I know. I mean, it's it's very overwhelming. And I think that part of what makes social media and the internet great is that it can bring us together and show us all these different stories and all these different ways of mothering. And it's a great reminder that everyone has their own way and you do what works for you and your family with no judgment involved or allowed, right? Like, Five yeah. months, great. Zero months, great. 24 months, right. fine. Like, whatever. Right. But it also adds, like you said, it adds all this noise. And it can make us, I think, it can make even the most confident person question themselves. Like, yep. I don't care what other people think of me, yet why, when I'm in public mixing a bottle of formula for my child, am I like, do I feel weird about it? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's such a strange the societal thing. norms are like very, it's harsh for sure. And I don't, I, I know like my mother-in-law is a wonderful, wonderful person, but like there's times when even family, I'm like, mm, I'm feeling judged here, but mm-hmm. oh well, <laughs> but yeah, you're, it's, it, I think it's, it is societal norms, but also it's a little bit of us too, because I've said things to Gabe. I'm like, I think your mom judges when I feed him formula and <laughs> And, but, but you know what Gabe says? Oh, well, I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> I was reading so. a quote, I think it was this morning of, I forget where I was reading it, but someone said something like, you know, if people are, if people in your life are judging you, those aren't your people. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. And I mean, I yeah. know that my, my circle has changed quite a bit since having a baby and it's not because necessarily of other people, it's, it's just kind of 
prioritizing and really being selective, not about me, but about who I want in my daughter's life and the kind of people that I want around her. Because like you said, they grow up and they, they know all these only beautiful, wonderful things. And that's what I want to surround her with. So yeah, it's, it's weird, man. It's all just weird and crazy. And then it's hard because, you know, inevitably, like they're going to learn about the bad things in life. And that's the like, I think about that often. I'm like, you don't know anything about global warming or climate change. And (laughs) like, just you don't know anything about all of the like very hard things and and the 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 opioid problem in the world. Like you don't know any of this shit. Um, And when will you learn? Um, Which is like, it's just kind of um, crazy that obviously we, we learn and there's so much bad in the world, but to your point, like if we can just surround ourselves with good people that support us and don't judge us. And, um, if somebody makes you feel yucky, then get them out. Like I did that. I did like a, a life cleanse, um, honestly, like unintentionally. Um, but in like in my late twenties where I just, if people, I wasn't happy with how I felt around them, I just kind of stopped reaching out to them and I'm happier now because and maybe I go out less, I don't know, but I spend more time with Gabe and family. And, and that's, I think for, for, in my case, like I've started spending more time with the people around me family wise, um, and less time like calling random friends. Um, but it's also a phase. I think we have a baby. So that's, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> <we're up there. laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway, the point is, is like, take those people out of your life. Like there, you have the power to do that. If someone doesn't make you feel good, like get them out. The comparison trap among friends is real. And there really are people who will support you and love you for who you are and realize that you are perfect too. And if you're not around those perfect people, everyone is perfect. Like you are perfect, Allie. I'm perfect. We all have these wonderful things about us. And like, if, if you're around somebody that doesn't think that way, then like, screw it. They they don't belong to be in your world. So girlfriend, (laughs) my thing is if you're with a group and if someone in the group gets up and leaves the room to go to the kitchen, to go to the bathroom and someone talks about that person, they're talking about you too. And that's my deal breaker. Like if they're talking shit about people in the group, they're talking shit about, about me and about you. And so that was my cleanse as I was like, I can't walk out of a room and worry about people talking about me. So bye. Yeah, for sure. That you're. Head in on the head. Yeah. So, all right. We've gone. We've gone all in on the motherhood talk. I want to pivot a little bit because we need to talk about the Breaking Three program. Can you talk about what this is? What it has meant to you? You've channeled one of your former running goals into a goal for this amazing group of women. Talk about it. Where did the idea come from, and how did you bring it to life? So I. I like the idea of um, like a team-based goal. Um, I've liked that idea for a while. Um, and it was with Lauren Flores. Um, and I, at one point we just connected on it and we were like, what if we did this really cool idea? And actually one of the ideas we had was an OTQ group, which never came to fruition, but we both kind of had this idea in the back of our heads. Um, but like in isolation, I was like, what, it, wouldn't it be cool if we had a team of women together and they, they, they trained kind of together virtually and it wasn't like our big group programs because those are open to as many people like it, you know, there could be 20, there could be 30 people in that group. They, people do make connections, but I wanted to have like a team because there's running is such an isolated sport that we lose that, that element of 
bonding with each other sometimes. And, you know, so many of us do it for the social aspect too, waking up on a Saturday or Sunday and meeting people to go run. So I just liked the concept of getting people, um, together virtually and training for this. So, um, in terms of like setting them up with swag, all that all happened very quickly. Basically we were going to launch this in, um, the spring for grandmas. And then, um, I was pregnant. Lauren just had a baby and it just never happened. And so, um, you know, fast forward into the spring, I was feeling a lot better because in the beginning I was like getting the flu and every sickness known to mankind. And then Lauren had her baby and she was feeling, you know, pretty stable with where she was. And we got on the phone and we were like, you know, if we want to make this thing happen, then we got to do it. So we hashed out what we wanted to do. Um, and it really went, when we say they were sponsored, like we just got some free things. Like we got a couple of free bottles of protein. Um, we, um, what else? We had some, some more teens, some like mid run fueling. So we, we had some swag that we could offer to them. We reached out to Indy and we said, we want to do it there. Like, we want this to happen here. Like, can you give us, you know, some free bibs and maybe elite access, um, inside before the race. And they, they complied and like, they went along with that and they were super excited that we decided to do it there. Um, and Indy was amazing because it's not a big city race. It's got that feeling of like, low key. Um, but it is, it is pretty freaking big and the course is phenomenal and the weather is usually good. So it had all these like great aspects, um, surrounding around it. So Indy was like the perfect place for this to happen. Um, and honestly, like we, we probably got our, everything together within two weeks, launched it, had applications open for another two weeks. And then we started and we, we did a 20 week program because we wanted to be able to shut girls down if they had um, not taken a break after their spring marathon. And we did. Two of them, we had to bring them down to zero mileage for a week. And they were like, hey, now, what? (laughs) And we were like, please trust us on this. Please trust us. And both of those women did break three. So I think they're happy with that. But yeah, so it was was basically something that I, I thought it would, would be a cool idea. Obviously, I never broke three. And it was my like, dream goal before injury and pregnancy. And I still want to break three, but, um, I coaching others and doing a team like this has been so much fun. Like it's been awesome to, to be able to be leading this. And that's the other thing, like leading this group of like talented, really special women. And we're all special. Like there's nothing, whether you're trying to break four, whether you're trying to be cute or whatever level, we're all incredible. But like, I think getting people like-minded people with the same attitude, there's an electric feeling when you're together. And then I saw it happen on the race course. It was, it was just cool to be a part of something like that. So yeah, we trained for 20 weeks. Um, we did coaching calls. We kind of met each other. They started fostering a, a, a relationship with each other online. And then we met for the first time at lunch in Indy on uh, Friday. And then the race happened. And honestly, like that, the, what happened at the race was like above and beyond what Lauren and I even thought would happen. It was just amazing. And like, I got choked up watching videos of them running side by side with their uniforms on, like it looked really cool. Um, so they, and, and now they have this special bond forever. They ran 20 for the most part, at least 21 miles together until they kind of did disperse. And, they're texting each other. They're arranging races where they can see each other in the future. Like it's really 
the bond that they now have will always be special. And like to, to bring that together and be a part of that was, it's just, I feel very proud and, um, very accomplished. And I also, like a lot of my individual athletes were messaging me, congratulating me and the group. And that also meant a lot to me because it was just saying that like, I love my athletes, every single one of them. And the fact that they could see how special this was to me and they congratulated me on it as if I had run was like, it's all I could want as a coach. <laughs> Man, and anyone who says running's not a team sport, there you go. Oh, even from a freaking coach's perspective, yeah. Well, and and beyond, I mean, it wasn't just the the women running. Like you said, it was the other athletes reaching out and it was, you know, it really inspired people. I was watching from afar, uh, refreshing and, and checking on your <laughs> updates. And it was, it's really, it's really amazing to see people come together and work toward a goal that is the same or is similar and using each other and that positive motivation and inspiration to get there. It's just part of what makes running really, really special. Yeah, it was, it was great to be a part of. And also you're right. Like the, beyond my own athletes, people on the internet, congratulating them, um, and following them, messaging them. We actually had a girl, um, who was trying to break three, not in our group, but she, she hung on and she tagged along and I think that's freaking awesome. And she broke three, (laughs) right. Isn't that awesome? And like, because she had the power of just like a bunch of ladies, like she introduced herself and she ran with them and ended up running a 259 or 258. So I know, right? Like how cool. I like I wish that could happen to me. Like show up and meet a group of ladies like let's do this. Um but yeah, it was it was really cool. All right, so as you're watching this happen, is there a part of you that's watching that and that still has that sub 3 in your sights someday? Oh, yes. <laughs> I think I mean, it's tough um cuz I've been out of it for so long. Um so basically like to put it in a capsule like where I've been with running I was very much at peak fitness at the end of 2016, and then I knew something was wrong injury-wise. I didn't have severe pain while running, so I was told by multiple professionals that, like, you can probably still run. It's okay. So I did. Unfortunately, I probably pushed a little too hard um, because it ended up turning or whatever happened. One thing led to another, and ultimately, I had a disc slash hamstring slash sacrum. Like, something was just really messed up back there. So I was out of the game for like a year and then rehabbed a little and then got pregnant. So I've been out for a while. So to answer your question, do I have dreams? Like, absolutely. I don't know when. I Hell, if you talk to me about expectations, I would have been like, yeah, just like 12 months after I have a baby. <laughs> but I think now um, that might not be realistic. But we'll see. You know, I don't, if there's anything the past few years have taught me is that timelines are really just silly and it could go either way. Like in six months I could feel amazing and start dropping times like I used to. I don't think that will happen, but you know, like it, I just, I think putting a time to like, when will I try to break three is silly. Um, but I definitely, I want to get back to into fitness. I hope God willing, we're able to have another baby at some point in our lives. And I would like to have this attempt happen before that. Um, but I don't know, you know, like it's, who knows what, what will happen right now. I'm just trying to run for 15 minutes at a time. So <laughs> that's, that's humbling, but I do think I have it in me. I know I can do it. I know that I, like it's, it is just a number, but at the same time, like it's a dream goal of mine. So I, I believe I will do it and I don't know when, but I will, I, I, I 
it's going to happen. It just depends when. So we'll see. Well, I believe in it as well. And I know that I and everyone listening will be cheering you on when that happens. So we all look forward to that day, whenever it is. There's no (laughs) deadline on that. I think that's a beautiful note to wrap this up on. But you know that before I let you go, we have to do our sprint to the finish round. Perfect. All right. What would your last meal on earth be? Eggplant Parmesan. Favorite movie? Love Actually. Favorite TV show? Get How to Get Away with Murder. Do you have a go-to mantra for your races or tough workouts? <laughs> F*** them. <laughs> Basically, like, screw everyone that's ever told you that you couldn't. Like, y- you've got this. I love that. <laughs> what is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Um, go see Eli and smile. <laughs> Yay. What is the last thing you do before you close your eyes at night? First, I kiss Eli. <laughs> and then um, probably just make sure my phone is turned on silent. <laughs> We're being real. Priorities. I get it. What is your favorite running workout? I love um, for three or four by two miles. Um, yeah. Or mile repeats. Oh, Mary. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I like 400s great uh what's your go-to breakfast oh gosh lately I've been so boring I've been having the same thing every freaking day it's oatmeal um with a scoop of the non-flavored momentous protein with some brown sugar and almond milk every day (laughs) hey there's something to be said for a good routine I'm all I've had the exact same breakfast every day since Annie was born so (laughs) really relatable yeah I make a big batch of the superhero muffins like every week and I that's what I have. I have two of them every morning. Is it bad? I should well, only have one. But no, um, it's fine. You have as many as you want. It's first breakfast and then second breakfast. They're spaced exactly. out. They're not at the same time. So it's fine. But yeah, every day. Wow. I, I think most people here can relate. I yeah, think we just all easy. Just, just easy, whatever is like there. Yep. Whatever can be simplified and mm-hmm. like programmed. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Who was your childhood celebrity crush? Oh, t- totally JTT, but also I loved Backstreet Boys. Ooh, who was your favorite Backstreet Boy? I don't know. I love them all. The wow. Brian. Brian was, I, yeah, same. Yeah. Who's the, um, who, the, the one that was really cute, but then ended up being gay? Was that Lance and NSYNC? Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> like. didn't him he go gay. to the moon? He wanted to go to the moon. That's what <laughs> I know about Lance is that he wanted to go to the moon. I, I well, that was the thing. I thought Lance was so cute, but I was like, oh, I can't like Lance. I like Backstreet Boys. Oh, so I, wow! Right. Okay. So I had to like like Lance in private, but I really liked Backstreet Boys and Brian. <laughs> Amazing. Brian Moving was my on. favorite too. <laughs> like the good little you know, clean cut all American boy. Yep. Yeah. Where did you have your first real kiss? Um, on the, well, like on the lips. Yeah. <laughs> No, on your cheek. Where thing. else were you? Where <laughs> you? Well, I feel like, you know, when you're like dared, like, oh, kiss her on the cheek, like in fifth grade. Oh, do you remember that? I mean, let's talk I about do. all your kisses. Go ahead. Take it away, Mary. <laughs> and I had this big crush on this kid named Matt. And he, he like, he was dared to give me a, a kiss on the cheek in fifth grade. So that was like monumental, obviously. Um, but then I think um, when when I was a freshman in high school, maybe I was like late to the game. Anyway, freshman in high school, it was like a rock outside my house across the street. It was like real, real weird. <laughs> Amazing. If you, if you could go for a run with anyone, who would it be? Probably 
Oh, probably my, I worked briefly with, um, a, a coach, um, like a year or two ago and he actually passed away from cancer. Um, so I think it'd be really cool to go for a run with him. I love that. Solo run or run with friends? <sighs> friends. You sound enthusiastic about that, Mary. <laughs> friends, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> These days I just want to run. Here's the other thing is that sometimes friends run too fast. Like I like running real slow. Run so, with me, Mary. I will come to Connecticut. Run. No, oh I don't gosh. run too fast. Let's go run in Connecticut. I'll come to you. We'll run. I do love running with friends, but like when when I was um like when I was training for sub three, like I remember some of my friends were would go out and run at like seven thirty and I was like, Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> so with friends as long as it's nice and slow. <laughs> okay. I love that. That's the best way to run with friends anyway. What one word do you want to be remembered by? Genuine. Tell me three things you love about yourself. Oh God, going from that to <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I almost said humble. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um I uh I think I'm pretty realistic and I, I think that's been pretty apparent. <laughs> Hence me saying that being realistic. Uh yeah, so I, I think I'm pretty realistic and I think it um is in a world full of BS, I think it is refreshing, I hope. And um yeah, so realistic. Uh, I'm, uh, logical, you know? So like when I realized that my, my back wasn't getting better just by sleeping, I was like, all right, I gotta do X, Y, and Z and then take action. So logical. And then, um, I, I, I'm very, like, I'm very, very loyal. Like I'm a very loyal friend and person and like, um, my best friends are just my lifeline. And like, I'd rather have a few very, very close friends than have tons and tons of friends. Um, and like, I will do anything for my friends. Cause I just love you. I love you, but I won't run with you because you're too fast. <laughs> no. Other than that, very loyal. I'll get breakfast with you. You're too fast. <laughs> All right. The last thing I need from you, Mary, give everyone listening a reason to run today. Run because you can and because today the sun is shining. I don't know what it will be like when you're listening to this, but um, run because you can and there's plenty of people in the world that can't and um, the ability to just go and throw down miles we think is insignificant, but it's actually really freaking cool that we can go and traverse roads and trails and actually get miles in and finish and then go on with our day and every uh, most of the other world most of the world around us can't do that or doesn't do that. So respect that you have that ability and be proud of that. I love it. Mary, you are so fun. I love your approach to pretty much everything. And I love your beautiful eyebrows and hair (laughs) and your ability to rent gorgeous rent the runway dresses. So just (laughs) keep living your best life. But seriously, you're doing amazing. And I hope you know that every single day. And it's just been a joy to watch you become a mom and and be awesome at it. So keep it up and thank you for sharing so much with us today. Thank you so much, Allie. Thank you so very much for tuning into this episode of the Allie on the Run show. As we get ready to wrap up 2019, I just want to thank you for being here, for listening and for supporting me and this show. It's been a really amazing year for the Allie on the Run show and none of it would have been possible without you, this amazing community of listeners. 
I'm just really, truly grateful for every single one of you. Now, the very best way to support the Alley on the Run show is to share it with someone. Tell a friend, a loved one, a member of your running group, tell them about the show. And if you want to do a really good deed before the year is up, I'd love to hear from you in the form of a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Take a second and let me know what it is that you're loving. Remember, I am always here for you. I'm Allie on the Run One on Instagram and Twitter, and you can like and follow the Allie on the Run Facebook page. Finally, let's give it up for our wonderful sponsor, Aftershocks, for making this episode possible and for making the very best wireless headphones for runners. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com to get $50 off your pair. Happy, happy holidays. Stay safe. Be happy. And thanks for joining me on the run.